friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. week, uh, Jonathan gave a great message, and there was one line from that message that kept going over and over in my mind this week. Maybe it did for you, too. The light is coming. The darkness won't last forever. The light is coming. The darkness won't last forever. That is what Advent is all about. Advent, it's not the same. It's not synonymous with Christmas. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Christ. Advent is this season and this posture of waiting. Waiting for the Messiah. Waiting for the light to push back darkness. Anyone understand waiting these days? (laughs) Traffic? Traffic, uh, waiting at the checkout line, uh, waiting for that package to arrive, waiting for that prayer that you've been praying for so long to be answered, sitting, waiting for the person to show up and they text you five minutes after they're supposed to be there, (laughs) OMW, and then serious things like another shooting in Las Vegas, just waiting. waiting for the madness to end. John Mayer Appley said, waiting, we keep waiting, waiting on the world to change. And it was in this kind of emotion that Isaiah writes. So if you would, uh, we're going to read Isaiah 9 together. Would you just stand for the reading of this part of God's word today? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Push pause for a second. I want you to remember this part. Okay, Remember those two areas. But in the future, he will honor Galilee. Remember that. And nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. You can sit down. 
This was written in 730 B.C. And at that time, the king, King Ahaz, was anxious about Syria and another, uh, a number of other armies that were just lining up outside the gates of Jerusalem, ready to attack. And what we have to remember is that Isaiah preached in desperate times. He was involved in, international, in an international crisis. And he walked the streets of Jerusalem with people that were stretched to the breaking point, with fear, anxiety, pain, heavy hearts from the burden of sin, aching arms from carrying a baggage of guilt. They were like us. They needed help. They needed deliverance. They needed relief. They needed hope. And what they needed was a gospel that was adequate for their needs. And their needs were extreme and they were desperate. And it was to this group of people that he says, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. See, God knew that Ahaz, was, he was nearing the end of his rope and he was about ready to make a deal with Syria that, that would have been uh, terrible for the nation. And God sent the prophet Isaiah to him to give him a word. And the word was, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about reaching out to anybody else because God himself, I myself, will take care of you. And I'll give you a sign. And we see in a few chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that, that a virgin would give birth to a child and that child would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Biblical prophecy works like this a lot. Where, where you see kind of immediate but not full fulfillment, right? So we see that there was a baby born in Isaiah chapter 8. And that baby was a sign, but it wasn't the sign because they would have to wait for that sign for 700 years. You talk about waiting on the world to change. Today, we've got the craziness in Israel still today. We've got division in our own country. We have division in our own communities and families. And we have division in our own hearts do you ever wonder why the waiting? Of course, you're anything like the rest of us. Of course you wonder why the waiting. I don't have all the answers, but I know the answer is not that God has abandoned his children. He is still on high. And this season, Advent reminds us that he meets us daily, even as he leads us to our destiny. And we have to remember what the prophet Isaiah was telling the people of that time in a time very similar to the one that we're living. And if you read like 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, you'll see these three things, right? I was going to build the whole thing around this, decided not to. But here you go. Remember first, this is good for all of us, what has God done for you in the past? Just pause for a second. I don't want to rush through this. That's the problem with Christmas and Advent's trying to get us to slow down, right? So just real quick, rear view mirror of your life, where has God shown up in a big way? We've got to remember that in, in times of desperation. 
remember that God is showing up still today. So, so it's not the rearview mirror. Now this is the steering wheel that he's got a hold of, right? And, and he, is, he is working today, even if we can't always see it. And finally, you'll see in that chunk of Scripture, remember that God will be faithful to complete it perfectly. See, we live in an interesting era. We really do. I mean, when you think about it, we live in this era that's sandwiched in between Christ has come and Christ will come again. Our whole lives, we live in Advent, don't we? We've seen signs, but we're waiting on ultimate fulfillment. And during this season, we're encouraged to look back and remember a time when a baby was born and laid into a manger, and he was the light of the world, the light for all men. And we approach that manger to try to rekindle this light that we then carry with us into a dark world, while all at the same time, hoping for that day, longing for the day when the king, once and for all, comes to reign and rule, where his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven in all times. That'd be awesome. Am I the only one looking forward to that? Jesus came to us in our humanity at a time of darkness and brokenness. And that's still what this season is about. It, it always, Advent always begins in the dark. It always begins with the bad news. But Advent is where real hope and real truth come together. It's where we remember and we live out this tension of already but not yet. It's this hopeful anticipation of Jesus actually breaking into our lives, not just the world, but breaking into our lives individually. Anybody need any of that? Okay, for both of you. <laughs> for both of you, it's this hopeful anticipation that although we may experience peace at times, it's nothing like this peace that we are going to experience one day. And although we experience joy in the here and now, it is just a shadow of the joy that we're going to experience when there is no more sadness, no more tears, no more pain, and no more division. That's what we look forward to. We're so much like the nation of Israel still today. We see his miraculous works in our day. Yet we long for him to fulfill his promises. Isaiah described it this way, if you remember. He said, nevertheless, there will be no gloom. The writer of the, the Revelation says the same thing. That that's what we have to look forward to. Isaiah goes on to say, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the deep darkness, in, the, in deep darkness, a light has dawned. Do you remember where this is also quoted in scripture? Another time in Matthew chapter 4, right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says, when Jesus heard that John had, put, had been put into prison... He withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of 
Zebulun and Naphtali. Have we, heard, have, we, have we said that yet? To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. Why did Matthew write those words? Because he wanted to say, this is what's happening in the life of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is what brought forth this light. We, we see glimpses of it breaking through. The light was coming, and the darkness was not going to last forever. Advent is this longing that the God of the universe is going to do a great work. He is going to restore relationships, hearts, lives. He is going to make all things new. But it's in this present darkness, in this season of Advent, Advent, that we get to remember every year that the light has to come from the outside. The light comes from outside this world and breaks in. This season reminds us we cannot do this on our own, for unto us a child is born. Right? Unto us a child is given in the four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. To us a child is born. God started out, at least here, through Jesus, the same way we do, right? A child being born. He enters in and submerges into our biology, our psychology, our history. He becomes one of us so that we can become what he is. And God's way of revealing who he is was to give us himself, Jesus. And that saves us a whole bunch of time and chasing a whole bunch of different rabbits about what God might be like. God looks like Jesus. He shall be called, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. He, he shall be. I think that's got two meanings. The first one is that's just who he is. That's his, that's his identity. He shall be called that. Eugene Peterson, writer of the message, says, the four names are a frontal attack on all that keeps us from God and all-out assault on what's gone wrong in the world. Wonderful counselor. That's the first name we get to look at today. Pele Yoetz. Pele Yoetz. It's the Hebrew. And it's only used one other time that I know of. And that's Judges 13, verse 18. And it's referring to God himself. Pele, if we break it down, it just simply means more wonderful than ever known or imagined. It exceeds expectations. Mirac the uh, other synonyms for this that are used in different ways throughout the Old Testament, miraculous, supreme, right, good, holy. That's this word wonderful. Moses uses it in Exodus 15, 11 when he says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. That word wonders there, Pele. Walking across an ocean on dry ground. That's Pele. It's miraculous. 
the wisdom of Jesus Christ applied to our lives is miraculous. It's like nothing else. It's supernatural. Yoetz just simply means counselor, teacher, guide. Counselor, teacher, guide. And the Yoetz, if there was the wisest Yoetz, the king would bring that person in and that person would be a counselor to the king. Guess what? Our counselor is the king of kings. Probably wouldn't surprise you much if I told you that the, in the last few years especially, uh, that the need for professional counselors has going up, gone up exponentially. Right now, 22% of American adults are, are seeing a counselor, which can, can absolutely be a great thing. But what I want to say on a day like today when we're talking about wonderful counselors, do you think Jesus would have something to say to those people? What I'm not saying is, don't go to a counselor, just pray. Not saying that. But I'm also not saying, just go to a counselor. He shall be called. He shall be called. Wonderful counselor. Where do you go first in your time of need? Have you experienced, really, so not just preacher talk, but have you experienced... Jesus as your wonderful counselor. Because if not, you got to try it. Because when he guides, when he counsels, he does it with authority. Right? Before he left this earth, he says, all authority from up there and all around here, all that authority has been given to me. And I'm willing to give it to you. So the light shines during this Christmas season. The light shines in Christ's wisdom and his authority. So we know that Christmas, lots of lights. It's called the season of light. Well, primarily, Christmas is the season of light, capital L, because he is the light of man, the light of the world. And so I just ask today, is there, is there anything that could use some illuminating in your life? Is there some dark places that you're like, Lord, would you just, I can't see. It's, it's just not clear. Could you turn up the light? Is there, is there any area in your life where, where you need that? Because sometimes we're just like, man, I, I know I pray, but I, I just need to talk to somebody who understands what I'm going through. Great. I got great news because Hebrews 4, starting with verse 14, says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into, high, into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, that means suffer together, who can empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. Amen? You want to talk to somebody who's gone through something that you've gone through? I got just the right person. We have a wonderful counselor who suffers with us. You see Plato's God? Plato's God, he was one who just kind of created the world, jump-started the world, and then left. Kind of this unmovable mover. The God of Scripture is this moved, deeply moved counselor that we get to approach. 
and he wants to, to give us his wisdom. I was with uh, Brian Bomar this week. He gave me his favorite verse. I thought I'd steal it because it fits perfect. Psalms 32, 8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Right? So, so when you're looking at me, God says, I'm looking right back at you. In fact, even when you don't look at me, I'm still watching you like an everlasting father. That verse goes on to say, do not be like the horse or the mule. Uh, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they won't come. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. Amen? God's instruction and His love is available to us today. Which means this, look, look up here, means that the incarnation didn't just happen. It means that the incarnation happens. That Jesus still shows up in the dark. And when he shows up, he doesn't treat us like clients. He loves us like children. And if you're a parent, you know. It doesn't matter how old they get. When your kids hurt, you hurt. That's why Peter can say, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. We're never going to be vulnerable with people that we don't think, with anyone that we don't think cares for us and, and understands us. Jesus cares and he understands more than we'll ever know. And because he knows it all, there's no reason to filter. There's no reason for us to posture. There's no reason for us to cover up or spin. He gets us, as the ad campaign says. So are you lonely? He gets you. He was lonely. Betrayed? He gets you. In pain? He understands what that's like. Broken? He's been there, done that. Suffered loss? He suffered as well. Tempted to give in to anger and all kinds of other sins? He experienced it. He was tempted in every way that we are. But the Hebrew writer goes on to say, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Many of us, in our time of sin, we kind of revert back to our garden-like tendency, right? Sowing fig leaves together and cover, covering up these areas that cause us, cause us shame. And instead of drawing near to His throne with confidence, we hide. Where are you? He says. We do that because we're fearful that if we're ever fully known, that we'll be wholly rejected. And that's a lie. And this season reminds us, don't shrink back. Approach His throne boldly. Maybe you've seen that little Instagram or Twitter quip that says, religion says, I messed up. Dad's going to kill me. The gospel says, I messed up. I need to call dad. Right? Draw near. 
And this drawing near is a choice. It requires an intentional decision on our part, which is the second part of shall. He shall be called because that's him. It's automatic. You don't have anything to say about it. But the second part of shall is you have everything to say about it because you have to call him that in order to experience the benefits of it. I can just imagine the woman who had been sick for years, crawling on her hands and knees in the dirt through the crowd, just reaching out to try to touch one of the tassels on his garments because she believed that the, the prophecy was true, that there would be healing in his wings, healing in Messiah's wings. That's how we approach. How, how do we, how does that flesh itself out? Well, first we, to experience his counsel and his healing, we've got to create the space to be able to sit and listen. Our church fathers called it contemplative prayer. I like what Rich says about this. He says, contemplative prayer is the unhurried opening of oneself to God through silence, scripture, and self-examination. It's where we just read, we pray, and then we sit and listen. I love what the Quaker theologian Douglas Steer says, stopping too soon is the most common dead end in prayer. Talk, 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 talk. The best five minutes of prayer is the one when you're not talking. And when we draw near... You got to draw draw near with the with the correct mental image because his throne is a throne of grace. It's what you sense if what you sense when you draw near to God is condemnation, then you're just in the wrong throne room. You're not in his. What we find in that room is we're forgiven saints, not outcasted sinners. And there may be some that are tempted, and even as I wrote those words, I was like, but yeah, but what about the hard things that Jesus has to say? Doesn't he say hard things? Of course he does. Of course he has hard things to say. Just because we have a great high priest that understands all that we go through, it doesn't mean it's just all easy peasy. Our God is no pushover. He does not wink at our sin. He doesn't look the other way when we hurt people. He confronts. And he shines a light into the dark places in our life. If he didn't, he wouldn't be wonderful. Because darkness, he knows. Darkness isolates. And darkness kills. But help, help is available. A few weeks ago, I... I was reading an article uh, referring to uh, uh, an autobiography by Matthew Perry. As we know now, Matthew, uh, who was a famous actor from Friends, died in late October. But in his autobiography, man, I can't get through this. I'll have you come up and read this, okay? But here's what Matthew Perry says. He says, God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. 
God, please help me. And then he goes on to say, all right, as I kneeled, listen to how he describes this. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the whole room. What was happening and why was I starting to feel better? I started to cry. I just wanted this to feel like he wrote it. I started to cry. I mean, really started to cry. That shoulder-shaking, kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time, I felt like I was felt safe, taken care of, decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness, all was being washed away like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of God, and I was certain of it, and this time I had prayed the right thing, help. It's a guy who had experienced Jesus as wonderful counselor. And he concludes that section by saying, God has made me a seeker of not only sobriety and truth, but also of him. Jesus' brother might have said it like this. In fact, he did. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. So this Advent season, we just remember to approach His throne with confidence, knowing that it's a throne of grace, and then wait. Sometimes we grow weary of waiting, don't we? We get impatient. And like our mother and father, Adam and Eve, they go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? They want to be their own counselor. So they could take matters into their own hands. And we've been eating of that same tree ever since. And although, and although we are seeking out counsel at an unprecedented rate, we in this generation tend to have more confidence in our own opinions than previous generations did. The truth is, I believe, we want counsel as long as it agrees with us. Anyone uh, old enough in here to remember the Mamas and Papas, the band? Just a couple. They had a song that was released in 1966. No, I wasn't born yet. But I do remember the song. It said, you got to go where you want to go. Do what you want to do with whoever you want to do it with. Was the song of the 60s and not just 1960s, right? This has been human nature ever since. You got to go where you want to go, wherever that takes you, with whoever it takes you with. And Isaiah, before we got to the passage that we opened up today, he says this, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe. Whoa, be careful. Be careful if that's you. You just want people to tell you what you want to hear. Jesus would say it this way. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead. 
of, of, instead of light because of their deeds being evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and, who will, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly, seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The light isn't anything to be afraid of. The light is to be embraced. We have a wonderful counselor who wants to guide us with wisdom. But listen, we've got to have the humility to say yes. So I have a question for you today. What do you do when you and Jesus disagree? What do you do when you and Jesus disagree? When he says, go, and you want to stay. When he says, forgive, and you think you're justified in your bitterness. When you have desires, and he says, stay pure. See, it's possible, and I would argue that it's necessary, to trust his wisdom more than you trust your own. In fact, I would say, we only trust Jesus if we trust him more than we trust ourselves. So will you? Will you trust him? Whatever it is that maybe you're wrestling with or walking through today, will you trust him as your wonderful counselor? He shall, shall be called that. Will you carve out the space to let him minister to you? To hear his voice. He's welcoming and he's wise. So as the band comes back up, let's just remember this Christmas, we don't just celebrate his birth. We celebrate his wisdom. We celebrate him as this name. And as we close, I just want to invite you to not check out. I want to invite you to test him. Just for a few minutes. Where do you need his wise counsel today? Where do you need hope? Because listen, listen, hope has a name. It's wonderful counselor. So we're just going to test, see if the counselor is in session. So we're just going to bow our heads, close our eyes. And we're going to sit in stillness that will feel awkwardly long, but I won't let it last for more than 60 to 90 seconds. Where do you need help? Oh, before you close your eyes, open them one more time because this is how we approach it, right? Is that the last one? All right. This is how we approach it. Come honestly, listen attentively, and respond obediently. Come honestly, listen attentively, respond obediently. Come honestly, listen attentively, respond obediently.
Counselor. We are grateful that you listen to us when we pray. And we're so grateful that you care. You guide us with wisdom and you welcome us with open arms. Jesus, create in us a fresh passion to hear. To hear your voice, to know your wisdom, and to walk in your way. Teach us what it is truly like to trust you, not only as our forgiver and leader, but our wonderful counselor. We want to experience your light now. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we stand and pray, if you would like just a safe, comfortable place to meet the counselor on your knees, join us here at the altar. If you need a human to kind of intercede for you on your behalf or just to talk with, our prayer team uh, will be up here on the sides. I just encourage you to take advantage. Take advantage of the moments when the Holy Spirit stirs because you don't orchestrate that. You just open yourself to it and then respond obediently. Please stand.